what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is your ongoing podcast about the world of customer service, how you can help your organization improve customer service for your customers, your clients in the future. And I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. And with me as always, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? Doing great, Alan. How are you? Uh, Doing just fine. Doing fine. Having a good day so far. And uh, before we get into our topic, uh, wanted to just say a couple quick things real quick about our sponsor. We do have a sponsor for today's show. Uh, the sponsor for today's show is Pinecrest Independent Living, which is an independent living facility here in Hickory, North Carolina. Wonderful location. I've actually had a chance to go out there a few times and see some of the facility. Beautiful location, beautiful spot, uh, true independent living. You'll hear a little bit of a commercial from them a little bit later in the show. We just want to say thank you so much for the support. Pinecrest Independent Living here in Hickory, North Carolina. And uh, also before we get into our topic, you're with Customer Service Solutions. Remind people where they can find out more about uh, Customer Service Solutions and get a hold of you. Oh, sure. Uh, the easiest way to do it is to go to our website, which is cssamerica.com. And when you go to cssamerica.com, uh, there are links to our blog, our customer service tip of the week, this podcast, and, and all sorts of different uh, helpful resources on customer service. Great. Wonderful. I encourage people to go check that out if you have any interest in the kind of things we've been talking about on the show for, for several episodes or during today's topic as well. So, Ed, with our topic, and we're going to talk a little bit about customer retention and growth. It's something I'm curious about, and I know you've got some thoughts on. So much of what we've been talking about with this show so far has been delivering great customer service. And we all know the importance of why we want to have great customer service, why our clients and customers are looking for great customer service experiences. But is there some deeper messages or things we can be working towards to help develop client retention and growth? In other words, can customer service actually help be a springboard to not only growing our business, but even keeping the clients we've got for as long as humanly possible? Oh, definitely. Uh, and, and that's a great question, because when you're thinking about uh, customer service and a lot of the tips and techniques that we talk about, a lot of that is when that customer is in front of you, they're face-to-face, they're on the phone, how do you handle that experience? And and you can leave that conversation feeling really good about yourself. But, but what if that customer only comes once a month, once a quarter, once a year to purchase something. Uh, we might feel really good about ourselves and the organization and how we handle that experience right then, but there, there's this time period between those different encounters, between those different interactions that we got to make sure we're doing something to keep ourselves top of mind, to build relationships, even if the customer isn't face-to-face with us. Okay, good. So in other words, there's some things that we can do in the customer service arena that can actually help those customers coming back in the future to make sure that we've got them long-term. I mean, I know in my business, you know, the type of work we do, we, we finish a project. We don't know if, you know, once that project's done, we're pretty much out of the engagement with that client from a contractual standpoint. Sure. But we want to make sure that what we've built is a relationship that they're going to call us back the next time they're ready for another project, that type of thing. So it's not only retaining, but also looking at how it can help grow the business with those clients we have. Right. And most organizations spend so much money on advertising and marketing and sales and all these sorts of things to acquire a customer uh, that, that you want to make sure that once you actually get them, even if it is just for a project, just for a transaction, that you're doing whatever you can to, to, to keep them, retain them, make them loyal and come back time and time again. So there are certain strategies organizations can take to make sure that that happens. It's a much more efficient way to build your business 
to, to keep who you already have, to grow business with who you already have, than to continuously just say, hey, we'll just market, 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 advertise and view the entire world as a prospect. In, in customer service, you want to view each individual client as an individual, as a customer that you can develop relationships with. Well, I know, I know there again for, for us and a lot of the companies, I mean, we, we get so much of our business from repeat clients, clients we've had for 20, 30 years. Sure. You hear so much in the marketing world, so much in the sales world about new clients, new customers. And yeah, that's important. You got to have the new blood in your business climate. Um, you can't just rely on the same existing customers for the rest of your business duration. That's not always going to work. But I do agree with you. I think sometimes companies forget that it takes just as much work and effort to keep the clients you've got and have them coming back to you. It's also, honestly, it's less expensive too, right? I mean, it's less expensive to put money into retaining customers and keeping them long term than it is to go out with whole new advertising campaigns, just trying to recruit some new new clients. Sure. Yeah. And there's a couple of ways you can look at that. First of all, there have been studies that show that for every uh, $5 it takes to acquire a new customer, you can probably spend a dollar uh, and, and retain the, the same equivalent of that customer. In other words, it's five times to actually acquire than to retain. You said five times as much money to attract a new customer as to just retain one. Exactly. So that, that's one statistic that's out there. Another way to look at it is we actually have done a lot of work, and I think we've talked about this in some of our earlier podcasts with National Basketball Association teams. And the reason why the NBA contacted us about, I guess, about 10 years ago now was they were going through a period where they were having trouble retaining season ticket holders. And at some point, somebody looked at the retention rates of season ticket holders at the team and said, you know, if we're only retaining 75 or, or 80 percent of our season ticket holders year to year, that means that we're literally losing five to seven million dollars a year. Now, wow. let's say the average team increases their uh, projected revenue from one year to the next by two or three million. Okay, not only do you have to add two or three million to new business, but you have to add five to seven million to offset those. So now you're looking at a ten million dollar bogey sitting out there. Wow! And even for a small business with a million dollars in revenue or $500,000 or whatever the case might be, if you realize that you have to generate 20 or 30 or 40% new business just to offset losses, all of a sudden you're realizing, wow, I got to work really hard to generate $200,000, $400,000 in new business when if I'd have just done a better job of keeping who I already had, it wouldn't put so much stress on our marketing. We wouldn't be so stressed in trying to find new customers. Wow, that's a great point on that. So, Ed, let's just kind of start into this then. So, sure. what what would we what would a company or individual need to do to think about customer service in terms of more of a retention and growth strategy? Well, we have a, a strategy with four key components. We call it our client relationship development strategy, and I'll go through all four briefly, and then we'll kind of attack each one. Um, the first is in order to develop a relationship with a client to retain them, you got to know them. I mean, you have to know who they are individually, uh, a lot of details about them. We'll talk about some of those details in a minute. Secondly, you have to communicate with the client. And we oftentimes are helping organizations create touchpoint plans. So you have to systematically and intentionally figure out how do you develop relationships with a client, not just when they're in your storefront, not just when you're at their site. How do you develop relationships between those visits, between those encounters? The third piece is if your goal is to retain them, you have to know what will retain them. 
You, you can't make assumptions. You have to literally ask different clients, why would you stick with us versus go with a competitor? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what would make you leave and, and why are you with us in the first place? So you have to identify those retention drivers okay. and make sure you're addressing them. The fourth point is to grow with the customer. So there are times when you're, if you're great at developing relationships with your clients, you're much more comfortable in asking for a referral. You know, you're much more comfortable in, in soliciting additional business from them, maybe with different products and services because you already have a good relationship established. So the four key components are know the client, communicate with the client, keep the client, and grow with the client. All right. So we'll go through and talk through each of these a little bit individually here. So um, so let's start with know your client. What's, uh, what's yeah. some of the things we can do to really get to know our client even better? Well, uh, you first of all want to view your client kind of as a supplier. Okay. Your, your client is not just a customer, but they are a supplier of information, the kind of information you need to keep them. So you want to get in the habit and get in a routine and get in a system of actually requesting different a- information from your client about your client. For example, uh, we, we did um, some research with the Orlando Magic and the NBA, and then we're going to uh, learn a little magic from what we did with with Orlando. Essentially, what they wanted to do uh, was to build relationships with season ticket holders. And one of the things we helped them execute uh, were season ticket holder surveys, detailed season ticket holder surveys, where it was literally, and you don't have to do it at this extent, but there were something like 238 data points in an annual survey. Uh, And it was everything from basic demographics uh, that we also asked about share partners. If somebody shares tickets with somebody else, a friend of theirs, ask for information on that. We asked, who's your uh, favorite player on the team? Who's your favorite visiting team? Uh, What kind of benefits are most important to you? And do benefits actually impact your decision whether to renew or not? We asked about the game day experience, relationships with reps. And we also asked the key retention driver kind of questions. Why are you a season ticket holder? And what is your likelihood to renew? So the reason why we were asking all this data, and we got a pretty hefty response rate for an incredibly long survey, we got a 40% response rate. Really? Wow. Yes. And the reason why we asked that is all of a sudden we had all this intelligence on our current season ticket holders. And and now the account reps, the service reps, knew much more in detail what these uh, individual season ticket holders were all about. How likely were they to renew so they knew who to focus on during renewal period? Um, who were their favorite visiting teams so they knew when to market uh, certain pro- programs and, and different plans to the season ticket holders based on who their favorite visiting teams were? You know, if certain benefits didn't matter, they didn't talk about those benefits. I mean, it, it allowed the organization to be much more individualized in how they develop relationships with their season ticket holders. Now, Ed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter you with a couple things here. You always do that, Alan. I do. You, you always challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to challenge things being said. No, it's just, uh, you know, some people, I always use uh, Steve Jobs as always someone I, I kind of see as a very interesting leadership model. And he always had this mantra that, you know, customers don't always know what they really want. He felt like their company position was more to tell people what it is they want. Now, I think that maybe works when you're talking new technologies and trying to come up with new innovative things that people hadn't thought of. But I'm not a big believer in just assuming that as a company person, you know, you're supposed to know best what what your customers want. And you just go and, and do what you think as a business leader you're supposed to do and your customers will just follow along and automatically appreciate the same things you appreciate. What What's kind of your take on that? I mean, the whole being a business leader and like not just feeling like you've got a gut feel where the market's supposed to go versus trying to get all this kind of data and getting to know your customers 
was better? Sure. And that, that, that's definitely a good question. There's a book that I love that, that helps to explain the answer to this, and that's called The Discipline of Market Leaders. And in The Discipline of Market Leaders, it says organizations that are truly market leaders typically are pretty good in three different disciplines, but they really focus on and are great at one discipline. What you're talking about with Apple is they are what the Discipline of Market Leaders book would classify as product innovators. They are focused on the product, having the best, having the newest, doing unique things, and customers are going to just follow them because of all these innovations that they provide with the products that they develop. The second is called operational excellence, like a Walmart, which does something at such a low cost per unit, and people go there because they know they get the most efficient service or they get the lowest priced item. The third is what we focus on with a lot of our clients, not all of them, but particularly when we're talking about client relationship development, it is customer intimacy, Hmm. where certain organizations, they want to be great at becoming vital to their customers, whether it's through the products they offer or integrating their technology with their customers' technology or uh, being an organization that knows their customers so well uh, that that you have that intimate, that one-on-one, that personalized relationship. So what Apple does is great. Uh, It's a different strategy than we generally uh, undertake with the clients that we work with. But even with Apple, even though that's their maybe their overriding organizational strategy, uh, they are constantly trying to gain intelligence on their existing customers. I mean, they, they don't ignore the idea that I want to figure out what apps certain people are buying and tailor those apps to them. And, you know, they, they're 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 not doing uh, all their development in a vacuum. They're learning about and trying to grow business and relationships with their existing customers. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's that's kind of what I've, I, I come around to when people ask me about that as well. When they ask you, well, I never receive a customer satisfaction survey from Apple Computer or Apple doesn't do heavy market research data and asking customers and their their people who bought before what they want out of products. I say, no, they don't necessarily do it in that traditional sense, but they are data collectors. I mean, they are oh, yes. to know their customers so incredibly well. You think about how many points of data a company like that has about us as consumers. They mm-hmm. know what kind of music we buy. <laughs> they know what kind of movies yes. we like to watch. They knew uh, how we use our computers, all of that they're collecting. So just because they're not being the outward going out and conducting a survey to get data, like the Orlando Magic you were talking about doing with season ticket holders, doesn't mean that they're not getting to know their customers extremely well. They've just got different methods of doing it. Right. It's passive versus active. And we recommend passive and active methods. But if they're gathering information without having to go to the customer and ask for it, that, that's what we would call passive, where they're doing something, but it doesn't require direct customer feedback. The other is active, where it does require the customer feedback. But we recommend both. But you're right. They gather so much just from the technology they use. Yeah. So for those of us in companies that we don't have uh, everybody's personal credit card, music preferences, movie preferences on file, uh, what are some different ways that people can just get to know their customers a little bit more? What are some of those, you know, you got surveys. Are there some other things out there, some ways to, to get to know the customers a little better? Sure. Uh, You can think about this from three different perspectives. One is from an active perspective. You can go out and solicit like like we had just talked about. From a passive way of doing it, there is intelligence out there on the existing clients, whether it's uh, getting Twitter accounts, looking at Uh, other types of social media, you can gather information on different clients. The third piece is your internal operational data. You know, going back to my pro sports example, they knew when fans were attending games or not. They, they, if they had certain cards, loyalty cards, for example, they could track purchases or even if 
they have an account with a certain company, they can look at their utilization of that account. You know, with your company, for example, you could look and see out of all the services that Jackson Groups offers, which are utilized by your clients and which aren't. So you have that internal operational data you can analyze. You can go out and gather intelligence on your own based on just what's out there in social media or other resources, or you can go directly to your customer uh, and ask them for it. Okay, great. So getting to know your customers, that's step number one, is getting to know your right. clients, your customers, know them extremely well. That's one major step in helping build that retention and growth strategy with your clients. Sure. All right. So what's the second one we've got is communicate, you told us. Yeah, communicating with the client. And in the second one, let, let me give you a quick story as an example. This was a few years back, and I'm a real big pro football fan. And my two favorite teams are the Green Bay Packers, which I think we've talked about a couple times, and uh, Carolina Panthers. And, and I'm a Panther season ticket holder. I went to a game a few years back and watched Carolina lose literally 41 to nothing. Yes. Um, the, uh, yes. Why do you yes. say yes? <laughs> is that empathy or is that it's uh, a little empathy. happy about that? No, no, it's a little empathy. There's no happiness whatsoever. Unfortunately, it's yeah. just uh, something we've come a little bit more accustomed to lately on that. So, yes. Yeah. So that was the game. And the only good news about the game is that it was a one o'clock game and Green Bay uh, was going to be on TV at four o'clock. So mm -hmm. I got home as quick as I could. And this was back in the Brett Favre era. So, uh, as quick as I could to watch Green Bay play. And Green Bay was ahead seven to nothing as of about four thirty, five o'clock. They were playing Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was very happy. But uh, after I got home, uh, Tampa Bay outscored Green Bay 21 to nothing. So in the period of about six hours, my two favorite football teams were outscored by a total of 62 to zero. You were not having a good day. So. I was not having a good day, no. But despite all that, I went to the next Panthers game uh, and I, I continued to watch the Packers every chance I got because I had a passion for those teams. Now, one, uh, I guess, company or organization I don't have a passion for is my print vendor. Uh, a couple of years back, I actually signed a contract, uh, or ran a job with a local print vendor, and they did a bunch of marketing mailers for me. And, uh, you know, the project went okay. Um, but they gathered all my information. I paid the invoice. Everything turned out fine. What happened after that? Uh, every other week, my business partner would get a marketing mailer from them. Oh. My business partner had no interactions with them at all. I never heard from the company at all, but he apparently was on their marketing list and he was getting these uh, inquiries. He even got a personal call from the president of the company trying to inquire uh, about new business with our firm. So it's one of those situations where uh, I was the customer, I did business. They didn't really leverage that to communicate with me on an ongoing basis, but yet they must have had this marketing machine that saw my business partner as a prospect and they went after him. Wow. So this is this just goes to the, the point that too many organizations are focused on marketing and advertising and acquiring new customers and they're missing the customer that's right in front of them. Yes. So the, so the second step really focuses on how do you communicate with and develop relationships with your existing clients instead of just – throwing them back into the bucket as another prospect. Well, and, and we've got stories that kind of echo that as well. I mean, we, we have a marketing database. We do some mailings in the past. We've done mass marketing letters. And years ago, we actually had one of our clients who received one of our marketing letters say, why are you marketing to me? And why not just pick up the phone and talk to me? And yes. it, at, at that point, that was probably seven, eight, nine years ago. That just kind of struck a nerve. So it's like, yep, we need to be spending more time calling clients 
talking to them instead of just thinking our, our broad mass marketing efforts are going to capture everybody we need to capture. It's a little frustrating for me to get a mass marketing letter and a random cold call sales call from a company that I've been working with for years, uh, just like you were yes. explaining with yours. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I, I want somebody calling me, directly emailing me, having a discussion with me and not make me feel like I'm part of some gigantic database that they work with. Exactly. And so what we do recommend companies do in the second step, communicate with the client, is they create 12-month touchpoint plans, okay. which means that you're going to look at existing clients and, and whether it's six or eight or 10 times a year, you're going to reach out to those clients with some kind of personalized individualized communication. Maybe it is a phone call. Maybe if it's a large client, it's a site visit, or or, or maybe it's uh, communications where you're presenting something of value. Occasionally, you're presenting some marketing messages. But but the idea is that we are intentionally making sure that we're t- touching base with the client so the relationship does not go stale, so they don't feel like a prospect again, so that we're constantly developing relationships. And when you think about these touches you have throughout the year, some of them are going to be touches like uh, the touches we talked about in the know the client step. You know, two, three times a year, you're going to be contacting the client just to ask some questions so you can continually build your knowledge on the customer and and you can use uh, that, that intelligence building as part of relationship building. Some of these will be just offering something of value. If you do survey work, you work in healthcare, you work in retail, you work in some other kind of business, you're sharing information that'll just help them to, to be more successful, to have a better experience just in in their personal or business lives. And then the third type of communication is obviously you are doing a little bit of marketing to your own clients, but you're not marketing to them as a prospect. You're marketing to them as somebody, and I'll talk about this more in a minute, but more as an educator on different products and services that you have that could help them out. Yeah, that's something we've actually been really pushing with a lot of clients we work with, um, trying to enhance their multimedia communications or other things they're doing, which is come across and, and be seen by your clients as more of that educated individual that's very informed and is there to give them advice, even if that advice and that communication doesn't directly result in a sale. That's not the intent. The intent is stay in front of them, keep talking to them, keep educating them about what's going on in the industry, what's going on in the world around them that could be affecting their business. And that does have a good, good, strong possibility for leading to some sales in the future. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So this, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, so communicate with clients. Uh, anything else on that point before we take a break here? No, the main thing is you just want to be intentional about those plans, literally create the plans. And we, we've talked to and worked with pro sports teams, educational organizations, government organizations. It's important for anybody if they truly would do want to build business with existing clients to put those pieces in place. Okay. So we've got so far knowing your client through asking questions, getting data, finding out more about them, and then communicating with the clients on more of a structured plan, making sure there's always touch points going on about communication uh, so that your clients know that you're, you're involved with them. You're wanting to help inform and educate them and keep in touch with them throughout the year. Exactly. Great. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hit points three and four, which was what keeps your clients and then what grows your clients. We'll talk about those two things in just a moment. This is Stepping Up Service. Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group here, and I'm alongside Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. We'll be right back. Don't wait another minute to start living the carefree retirement lifestyle you've always imagined. Come tour the Pinecrest Independent Senior Living Community in Hickory, North Carolina, and discover all we have to offer. From live-in managers to daily social activities and events to amazing chef-prepared meals, Pinecrest is unique. We'd love to show you more. Contact us at 828-325-4795. 
Retirement is about new beginnings, and the time to begin is now. Hello, and welcome back to Stepping Up Service. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. Along me, with me is Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions. We are right in the middle of going through four key points for developing a growth and retention strategy for your clients using customer service as kind of the basis for that. We already talked about knowing your client and communicating with your client. Now let's get to number three, Ed. We're going to talk about uh, what, what keeps your client, what, what, you know, what retains them, what keeps them in, involved. And what do, you, what do you mean by that? How do we develop that point out? Well, I'm, I'm going to illustrate this by saying something that might seem counterintuitive, but to keep a client, you need to think like a government. Oh boy, I'm very, <laughs> I'm really anxious to see where you go with this one. So yeah, keep, gonna keep going, please proceed. Okay. Well, well, there's most communities nowadays who are of any size have economic development organizations, yes. and oftentimes they're housed as part of the municipalities, the city government, uh, county government. Uh, organization. Sometimes they're freestanding or part of the Chamber of Commerce. But these economic development organizations typically have what they call a business retention and expansion arm. It's a group that is not just focused on going out and selling the local community and trying to get businesses to locate there. But but the business retention and expansion group is focused on looking at the businesses you have currently in your county or jurisdiction in this general area and figuring out how can we keep these clients. And, And oftentimes, uh, there are risk factors that the BRE consultants look for in, in local businesses. And if they can identify these five risk factors and which might apply to a given business, then they know whether this business might be at risk of relocating, at risk of downsizing, at risk of shuttering, uh, or maybe there's some expansion opportunities. You know, they need to get a larger facility or they want to add staff or something along those lines. And for example, uh, some of the risk categories for BRE organizations are leadership changes. If maybe on a national scale, the CEO changes or on the local level, the general manager changes, that's risk. Hmm. And that might be a red flag that the BRE folks need to address because oftentimes the leadership changes, the focus strategy changes and uh, facilities can move. The second is business needs. If there are business needs that must be met are I need to find qualified technical personnel or I need to have uh, good work infrastructure. Or I need to have good, uh, community college system to educate my staff, uh, we need to make sure that that need is being met. The third is business performance, where you're looking at is the organization growing so fast it might expand uh, and leave because uh, it's outgrowing its facility, or is that potentially an opportunity that they're growing so fast? Or are they is their business performance going down, and therefore the organization is going to look to close buildings, facilities, cut jobs? A fourth is economic outlook for the industry as a whole, and the fifth is alternative options. Is this the kind of business that other jurisdictions are wanting to recruit? So the idea here in step three is you want to understand why is this business, why is this customer doing business with you, and why might they leave. And if you can identify for your particular business the three, four, five, six key risk factors, then it helps you to say, okay, which of these apply to this individual customer? And if you know why customer A might leave, it's a lot easier to keep customer A. So, so, what you, I, so you're almost uh, like running a scenario of trying to figure out what are the things that would cause somebody to leave, learning more about that, and then putting your efforts into tackling those – having those preventative measures to make sure that that doesn't happen for somebody. Yeah, that's exactly right. And going back to the Orlando Magic example, uh, they, typically NBA teams, pro sports teams, uh, they give a lot of benefits and perks to their season ticket holders. And if season ticket holder retention is going down, they might throw more benefits, more perks. Well, if you literally ask Joe's season ticket holder why he uh, may or may not stay – 
he might say something like, well, you know, I, I love it when my kid has a chance to be in the high five line during player intros once a year, or, or it's helpful for my business. You know, I, I like to have my business associates with me, or it's just the experience with my wife. You know, it's the one thing that we do together, our date night, you know, 20, 30 times a year. If you can understand what specifically keeps them or makes them leave, then it makes it so much easier to keep that customer. I'm actually just more baffled by uh, the, having 20 to 30 date nights a year. That was that. <laughs> I don't, wow. Okay. That, that I'm still just kind of reeling from that. So I was, yeah. uh, if that you drop, nice. if you drop the zero off each of those numbers, that's more like what, uh, what I find myself having. So that would be nice. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm saying that that that's uh, more common with people, uh, who have kids who are high school or older. Yes. Yes. They're retired. Okay. So, so hopefully I'll get there sometime soon. Yeah. Same here. I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, let me kind of one thing with this, knowing what, keeps your clients as well or what what could possibly drive them away in working against that. I know something we do even on uh, patient satisfaction and some other uh, healthcare related satisfaction needs looking at patients is we'll run some studies and correlation data on their patient satisfaction surveys to try to figure out what elements of that patient survey have more of an impact on whether or not they say that they'd be willing to come back again if they needed to. So understanding almost from data you've already collected doing a little bit of that research too, to say, what are the key drivers for this population? And yes. does it differ between men and women? Does it differ between age groups? Are there things that they see more important? Does a, uh, does somebody, a, I don't know, and I'm just making this up hypothetically, but does a female age 40 to 59 value cleanliness of the room and quietness of the room at night more than a male age 65 to 75? And finding out what are the drivers that really make a pleasant experience for them that are a little bit more important than the other items. That yes. way you can tailor your care and make sure that your service is focused on those different types of groups and you're preventing those things that might be more likely to drive them away if they don't see them. Yes. Yeah, so what you're talking about there is a component of what we call our retention research strategy, where literally if you were to say, what, what kind of research do I need to have that's going to facilitate targeted, effective retention and loyalty of our customers. Some of it, again, is ex external, like we're talking about, where you do the surveys, you ask the customer. Some of it is internal, where you look historically at your customer databases, in your example, historically at patient satisfaction and, and relating that to uh, what drives them to be willing to recommend or willing to return. You look at your internal data, you find those correlations, and then at that point it gives you a little bit of a focus on what do we really need to do internally, operationally, to keep a higher percentage of our customers. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes it's the things that, I mean, we as business owners, leaders, managers, whatever it may be, we can make a lot of assumptions about what we think would keep a customer engaged or happy. Sure. But they're always guesses. They're always hunches or gut feelings. Uh, maybe we've got years of experience to back it up, but, but people change, society changes, things are evolving. There could be completely different sets of drivers keeping people with you yes. uh, or keeping them engaged than you ever had before. So you've always yes. got to be mindful of that, I guess is what you're saying, and yeah. get the data to make those kind of decisions. Yeah, just just a quick story. I don't know if I've told this to you before, and it's more uh, employee-related than maybe customer-related, but there was a story a few years ago about how this uh, – 
factory in Ohio had implemented some new personnel policies, and the manager of the factory was going over these personnel policies with some of the staff. Uh, and one of the policies had to deal with tardiness to work. And so he said, if you're if you're tardy one day, then um, you know that that'll go on your record. If you're uh, tardy two days uh, to work by a certain amount of time, then you have to take a day off without pay. If you're tardy three days, you have to take two days off without pay. And one of the young guys in the group, about 20, 22 years old, raised his hand and he said, well, let me get this straight. All I have to do is to be late twice and I get a free day off. <laughs> and all I have to do is to be late again and I get another day off. So, so you know, that's counterintuitive to you and I. It's like, no, I don't want to lose a day of pay. I don't want to lose a day of work. But to, to this kid nowadays and a lot of the way a lot of the folks think, you know, that, that's almost like an incentive to come in late. That's almost yeah. like a bonus for coming in late. Even though it's without pay, he values the time off more than he valued getting paid that day. Well, we've, we've certainly heard that in a lot of workforces too, is that, um, you know, some organizations saying, you know what, we're going to not do as much bonuses and all that let's, because our workforce now wants the free time to go volunteer places or they want the free time to go take on other side projects they may be working on. Um, I think even it might have been Google or one of those big tech companies even does something with their employees where they say, you know, you have a certain amount of time every month that you can spend on any other project you want to work on. You can develop your own project, your own ideas, and you can use Google resources to help develop that. We don't control that. You do whatever you want. That's an area where that would have been unheard of in the years past because it wasn't sure. a key driver for a lot of employees. A lot of people are just, I want stability. I want the money. I want the, the security of that. But I think we've seen actually the workforce has changed a little bit. It's a good example. That workforce has changed to a model where different things drive them to be satisfied in their job. Same thing goes for customers. Different things are driving them to be satisfied than maybe what has been that way in the future, in the past. Right. And the best way to make sure that you're retaining your existing customers is to learn about your existing customers and literally ask them or analyze that historical data and, and find out what those drivers are so that you can specifically address what will keep them or, or make them leave. Excellent. Well, what's our fourth point? It looks like it was uh, growing with the customer. And you just kind of explain to us what this fourth point is all about and what do we do about it? Yeah, well, the fourth point really assumes that you do a great job with the first three points. I mean, you've gathered a lot of information on your customers. You know them really well. You're good at keeping the relationship going. You've identified why they would stay, why they would go, and you've addressed those retention drivers. And in the fourth step, what you're doing is you're feeling much more comfortable to, as part of that touchpoint plan, make those offers. You know, uh, I know you haven't used this particular service in the past. Um, uh, based on what we understand about what your needs or goals are, we'd recommend you doing this. Or, you know, I, I know that you've used a lot of our services before you come in here often. Do you know other folks who might have a similar need, other folks who, who might have similar goals that, that might benefit from our services as well? So you're essentially asking for referrals. So if you do a great job in the first three steps, uh, the fourth step is to kind of be an educator, continually educate your customers on other ways you can help them or their counterparts or their friends uh, achieve their goals or get the same kind of benefits they've been achieving. You know, Ed, what's so interesting about this is I, I'm not a natural salesperson myself. I'm just, I'm not comfortable with a sale. I don't like trying to sell somebody something. I would much rather them come to me because they sure. know by my reputation or past experience what I can do. But you know, at the same time, I also I actually got reprimanded a, a few years ago by somebody who even came up to me and said, Alan, I've been working with you for all these years and you never sell me anything that else that you do. You, I found out from somebody else that you do all these other things as a company wow. and you've never once tried to sell them to me. Why? And it did make me realize is that, you know, I think if people... 
enjoy the relationship they have with you, they're not adverse to you telling them other ways you can help them. Sure. Actually, I think some people expect that and are a little surprised when you don't do it. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at it as it's not selling to people necessarily. It's educating them. Like you said, that's the key word I like to use. You're educating them what else you could help do for them. Right. And people are not going to be turned off by that. If you've done, like you said, one, two, and three correctly, Mm -hmm. if I've got a good relationship with a vendor, I wholeheartedly expect them to let me know when they're doing new stuff or have a new offering. And I'm going to listen to it and and take it seriously. Um, When people try to skip right to number four without doing one, two, and three, and they start marketing to me and selling, upselling stuff when they haven't really done a great job of getting to know me, I'm not interested. So uh, yeah, it's very interesting there. Yeah. And you could actually be doing your customers a disservice if they have a certain need and you haven't made them aware of how you can meet that need. Because at that point, they're having to go through a lengthy process of trying to find people who do this service and uh, vetting them and making sure that they're checking out references and doing the RFPs or, you know, finding others that that can do this sort of thing when maybe it would have been a very easy thing for them if they could have just come to you directly. Yep, absolutely. And that's actually going to tie into our, my personal customer service story that we'll do at the end of the episode. So great tie into that. This is all really, really making good sense with that. So, Ed, we've got our four steps then. Know your customer, know your client, communicate with your client or customer, find out what retains them, what keeps them, what drives them for satisfaction, and then help grow with them. So really what you're saying is get to learn about them, talk with them throughout the year, have a plan for talking with them, learn about what keeps them satisfied or what would keep them as a client and work to avoid those things or that would cause them to leave. And then feel free to start marketing and growing with them and and, and seeing what you can do more. So we really have mapped out a progress, a process where somebody can take an existing client and let that really help grow their own business by that client growing with them. Right. And this is a four-step strategy, but probably the easiest way for people to conceptualize it is just to kind of take a step back and say, how do you develop relationships with people? I mean, it's hard to develop a relationship with an individual person if you don't know them real well. So the first thing you'll want to do is you'll want to develop a relationship, get to know them well. You know, you don't want to have long periods between last time you talked to them or emailed them, you know, just kind of uh, touch base with them periodically, keep fresh, you know, know what they like, what they don't like, try to find those commonalities. You know, if there's some opportunities for a deeper relationship, it's a lot easier to go a little bit into the next step in a deeper relationship if you've spent the time to get to know the person and communicate with them beforehand. That's a good point. Good point. And plus, learning a little bit about why they enjoy being in your company, why you, sure. you guys are friends. And, you know, if, uh, if there's something that you, know, you guys, if, if there's something, a subject that your friend doesn't like talking about, but mm-hmm. you keep bringing it up all the time and you find out that that's a turnoff, it, it, it's going to cause a possible problem with the friendship in the future. Sure. So you're learning what those drivers are, those retaining factors are, and yeah, then, my, uh, developing a deeper relationship with them as you go. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, my, my best friend and I are on totally opposite ends of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we have a great time together, laugh all the time, but we do not talk politics. Yeah. Well, you just know <laughs> so, that if that's, that's going to drive a wedge between your client business relationship, uh, you don't go there. <laughs> so yeah, that's easy enough. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, good. Ed, this is great. So this is taking a little bit of the things that we've been working on in this series of, of, of podcast episodes, talking about how to deliver great customer service. But once you know you've delivered good customer service and you've got a good client and a good relationship there, how do you take that and build on it and grow with it and actually turn it into a revenue producing thing back to your own business? 
So exactly. Great, great concept, great ideas. All right. So Ed, one thing we like to do at the end of our show, we haven't done it as much the last couple episodes. We've got to get back on track with this because I actually really enjoy this when we do this. It's okay. have our, our kind of our customer service experience story. Do you have one to share with us? Because I do. Um, yeah, and I, I've been holding this for a while because it's a great example. A good or a bad one? Bad? Great. Or, positive, positive. Positive. Okay, mine's kind of a mixed bag. I'll explain it when I get to it. But why don't you go ahead okay. and regale us with your uh, positive customer service experience? Okay, uh, well, my, my story is titled, I'll give it a title, it is Julie and the Flowers. Okay. Ooh, All right. we have a well, title for this one. Nice. Yes, we do. My, my daughter, uh, a few months back, had a horrible experience at her dentist getting some teeth pulled in preparation for braces. So the decision was made that when she gets the rest of her teeth pulled, she needs to go to a sedation dentist where they actually put her under temporarily to get the teeth pulled. Sure. Well, we had two different appointments, a pre or prep kind of appointment in the actual procedure. And when we walked into the office – Right at the start, we, we were wowed by the receptionist. We walked into the office before we even got near her desk. Uh, she greeted us. As soon as we entered, uh, she she said, it's phenomenal to see you all here. What can I do for you today? She was very excited, and she did not wait till we got to the counter. She stood up to greet us. So right mm -hmm. off the bat, things we don't typically see. Nice. It was interesting when you, uh, when you actually listened to her tone. It's almost like her tone, her inflection went up. Uh, at the end of sentences. So it wasn't, you know, what can I do for you today? It was, what can I do for you today? You know, it was really interesting. She always kind of uh, had a increase in her inflection, you know, uptick in her inflection at the end of sentences, gave it a very positive, uh, peppy uh, feel for what she did. And when she sure. gave directions, she was very specific. She didn't just say, in order to go see the financial folks, just go through that door and it's on the left. She said, uh, come on back, take a left. You will see three offices. Uh, the office of the person that you need to speak to is the one right in the middle. So she was very specific when she gave us forms. She didn't just say, here's the forms you need to fill them out. She said, uh, please print on the blue line. When she was explaining directions, she would stand up again and, and walk through the forms with us. Uh, and when she gave us one form, which was form number seven, she said, this is form number seven. Hey, you're lucky number seven. <laughs> I mean, it was just the little unexpected positive events that we talk about as part of a wow experience. Yeah. Now, the reason why I call it Julie and the Flowers is that when you walk up to the reception desk, there is this cylinder full of pens. And there's about you know six or eight different pens, and they all have flowers attached on the end. Okay. And it was really neat. They were all different looking, very pretty flowers. So here I am filling out forms, writing with a flower pen. Sure. And when I brought it back up to her, I said, well, I mean, you know, it's interesting. These are pretty flowers, but why exactly do you have flowers on your pens? And she said, because when we didn't have flowers on the pens, people would keep the pens and they would just walk out with them. So it was her way of, instead of just telling people, don't steal my pen when she gave it to them or having to buy more and more pens all the time, she decided to flip it and turn it into a positive. Now, when you walk up to a reception desk, it's almost like there's a bouquet there. When you walk up to the reception desk, it's kind of a funny topic to discuss. Sure. It, it makes the place look a little bit better. And it's just a positive way to address something that was not so positive. So everything about her, everything about the environment, the way she greeted people, even the flowers on the desk to try to keep people from stealing her pens, uh, you know, that was uh, something very, very special about working with Julie. Wow. Julie and the flowers. I like that. That's nice. Yes. I've actually seen one other place have the uh, the flower tops on the pins. And I just thought oh, it was really? a nice decoration thing, but uh, actually sounds like there's a good way. It has a little bit more of a practical purpose to it too. But Definitely. as far as what the clients and customers see, it's just a nice brightening of the day for people. So sure. that's nice. 
Well, my story, um, and I'm, I, I can't get too specific with it, but it, just to kind of tell you, it does have a lot to do with this whole client re- retention and growth that you've been talking about for the last half hour or so. You know, as, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm having to wrestle with insurance and looking at retirement and saving money and all that good stuff <laughs> and uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Um, just had to update Will the other day. So that's always oh, really nice and uh, fun to do as well. But, you know, I, I've always had a certain person dealing with me on insurance and some of those things. And it's always been this kind of tr- traditional relationship. The guy might call me eh, maybe once a year just to check in mm-hmm. and then tell me if something is up for renewal that I got to write a check for. Sure. That's about the relationship, the extent of it. So, you know, you go along that pace for the last you know, eight, nine years, and I don't really think much about it. I just think, okay, well, you know, if, if he calls, I'm sure something's up for renewal or I've got to sign some paperwork yeah. or maybe my premium's going up and I got to start writing more of a check each month. That's kind of the relationship we've had. So now this new person enters the scene and, you know, I'm, I'm usually a pretty tough, you know, you got to really try to get in the door. If I've got a relationship with somebody as a vendor, I, I try to be pretty loyal to it. But somebody else approaches and talks over some options. I meet him over at a, at, a, at a networking function somewhere and we start talking. And what this guy has done has actually come and visited me five or six times now. Oh my goodness. No charge. And even his whole message has been, you know, even if I don't get any business with you, I still think this is important information to share about what you ought to be doing with your money and savings and insurance and protection and all that. And to the point now where I've learned so much through this experience, absolutely, I started signing things over to this new person. There was never a hard sell. There was never a, I need you to sign on. And if you do it by this date, I can give you this kind of discount, whatever. It's none of that. It's basically, listen, here's what I think you ought to be doing. If I can ever be of assistance, just let me know. But otherwise, I just want to keep dropping by and walking you through some ideas and scenarios. Now, yeah, I'm sure the overall goal there is to grow his client base. I get that. We do the same thing in our business, but he did it the right way. He did it through, you know, talking and educating and informing and getting to know me, interviewing me to find out what my goals were, my aspirations, my, my, you know, my family situation, everything. And because of that, now he's crafted a great setup for me that I'm very happy with. And I know, and I'm I'm very understanding of, and yes, he's starting to take my business now. Um, But I had to break it off with the old person. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I, and the only reason I could give them was I only saw you when it was time for a renewal or when my premiums were going up. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, you're a nice person and I know you mean well, but I need someone who's on top of things and talking to me and educating me. Yeah. And so it's the same idea is that that's how you build the business up. Um, the quick sales, the marketing, the advertising, yeah, they'll get you some quick hits, but those are easy come, easy go. If you're not willing to put in the time to de- develop it and retain it over a long haul, um, it all it takes is somebody else coming right in under your uh, <laughs> under your noses yeah. and swooping that business right away from you. So uh, I think it's kind of a fitting example of what you've been talking about. So yeah. I am much happier with my situation. I feel like I'm more knowledgeable right. about my insurance and retirement and all that than I've ever been. And uh, if I had just stayed with the tried and true, I wouldn't be there at that point. And uh, if that person had been a little more aggressive with education and information and seemed like they cared more about me as a person than just a client that I have to sign a signature once a year to renew things, they would still, I would, they would still be my vendor. So, and it sounds like that, that first uh, person that you worked with, it's almost like you ended up viewing him and his services like a commodity. Yes, but with the second one, you're feeling better about yourself and your own knowledge and and your own ability to make good plans for your family's future and you also have a relationship so granted he's still providing the commodity but he's also providing the relationship the education and you have this feeling 
about yourself that that's more better that, that's better more confident about the future well i just like the idea that right now i've got a relationship with a vendor where i know i can pick up the phone or send an email and i'll get a response back like i have for months now within mm-hmm. a, just a couple of days helping me under, answer any question i may have and uh, that wasn't always the case with the previous situation sure so to me that's a good customer service that's you know this guy may be doing exactly what his company has taught him to do it may not reflect on who he really is as an individual he's just following the company line of how to build this relationship, but it's working and I don't care how he gets about doing it. That kind of relationship building is going to get more clients for that business. So yeah. um, it's a, it's a good deal and it, it's kind of fitting based on what we've been talking about so far today as well. So yeah, that's a great example. Alan. Good. Well, thanks for the story, Ed. Appreciate that. Yeah, both of our stories ended up very positive. We didn't have any blaring negative stories to share this month and we'll have to see for next month if uh, how our stories shape up. So if you ever are doing business with me or Ed, keep in mind you may be the subject of a story in the future, both good or bad. So just be mindful of that if you're listening to us going forward. Um, Ed, with Customer Service Solutions, people can learn more about you at cssamerica.com. That's where people can uh, check out the books you've read, blog posts, all that good stuff. Yeah, books we've written, the blog, the uh, podcast as well. And Did, all I say books? Did I say books you've read? Do you just yes. go on there and put out every time you read a book and post up there for people to follow along with you? Uh, yes. Kind of like uh, Oprah's, Oprah's Book Club, right? Exactly. <laughs> of course, most of my books are either on the Green Bay Packers or they have something to do with what my daughter's reading. So it's not the most exciting book reading list. Right, but, so if you are a uh, Packers fan, though, and want to follow Ed and find out what he's reading, you can probably do that somewhere on his site. Um, yes. But you can't see the books you've written and the exactly. blog post and other opportunities you've got for uh, getting engaged with your company as well. So, exactly. Good. And then my company, The Jackson Group, that's thejacksongroup.com. That's where we conduct employee and customer satisfaction surveys, as well as market perception studies and uh, leadership development and consulting work as well. The jacksongroup.com is where you can find us as well. So, Ed, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it every month. I hope sure. hopefully we're sharing some good information for people out there in the business world. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts about this show or future topic ideas, feel free to give us a call or drop us a line at themesh.tv. There's a phone number on the website where you can call and leave a voicemail. Uh, There's also an online forum at the website where you can drop us a note if you have a question or a suggestion. And then uh, The Mesh is on Facebook as well. Feel free to find us on Facebook, like us, and that way you can keep up to date about any future episodes we're posting and make your own comments about any of the episodes as well. So with that, we're going to wrap it up for today. Thanks again, Ed. We'll talk to you next time for Stepping Up Service. I'm Alan Jackson. Uh, We'll see you next month. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.